months to die. This is a safe space where we talk about every kind of issue that they get close to. We talk about relationships over here. We talk about sex, finances, academics, any topic you can think of. We talk about it. And today we are going to be talking about depression and mental health. And to do that, we have a very special guest in our midst, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself. Hello everyone, my name is Lydia Silvia Odei and I'm the guest for the live show today. It's well, a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Welcome. If you tell us more, like, tell us more about your colleagues are a lot. You want to be mentioned here? Tell us, tell us. I'm your colleagues. Okay, so um, I got this nurse from KMST. Also talks about youth relationship, finance, academics. It's literally a social issues platform where we talk about things that are not talked about enough concerning the youth. Okay, so yeah, so that's this is a very powerful person sitting here, guys. <laughs> and we are honored to have you. Thank you very much for taking your time to come and raise this podcast. So, um, in talking about depression and mental health, it's a topic that um, it's not really focused on mostly because it's a thing depression. The word depression just appeared in the 21st century. Like, we're there now in the second year, I'm depressed, I'm going through this, I'm stressed. But nobody has really sat down to have a real conversation about this. And I know you have like an experience, so can you share with us your story? Okay, so um, sorry. And the reason why I want us to like hear a story is not just so that. We see and like, hey, this guy has been depressed before. No, no, no. It's so that we can learn something from it. Like, this is a podcast basically just for learning. So, we want to learn from her experience. So, those of us who are depressed, I don't even know that we are depressed. Yeah, so you can, you have to flow. All right. So, um, the first time this whole thing started was in my DHSD, my final year. So, I had a very close friend, she was my best friend at that time. And uh, or should I say a fallout or something that was getting close to writing our views. She, I'm a type of person that I don't really have a lot of friends, but I feel that I have a very attached to them. So when someone does something, like it can hurt me, so getting close to her as I'm then she did something which really hurts me. It hurt me that bad, but I was like. Let me just, I, instead of dealing with it, I compartmentalize it, like, just keep it in a box and don't get up there. Let's move on with our life. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I was just going about, I realized that, like, my whole demeanor and everything had changed, but forget about it. So, fast forward to after I turned the BC, I did, like, very well. Like, I'm not bragging or anything of that sort, but, I did so. Then the schools, it was time for the schools to come out. So I was in town, and then my friends were calling me that, oh, Charlie, they've got to be at school. Like, my school actually checked my results for me. So we all at home and they called me and they checked my results. So, and this and this and this and this. So I was like, they were calling me that, oh, the schools have come. So then I get like, oh. so I checked my portal. There was no school. I was like, like how can this happen? 
they're like just like they do sales by second batch and this kind of stuff. So we would tell them later that the second batch also came out. So I was not having a school and all that. Then later it was getting so messy. So my friend decided to step in for it. So it was like, how can I do this well and then not get a school? And all my friends are going to school. Like I had some of my classmates. I'm in year 24, they also got the first year, so the first year called me. I don't know why I was so pissed. <laughs> I was so imagine. So I was like, ah, so everybody was calling me, hey, so which school have you got to? My teachers, the school administration, everything. I didn't have a school. So I think that was what actually blew the cowboys back around that time. Mm-hmm. That it was that bad. Like, I would literally be crying like the whole day. And I couldn't really talk about it to my parents because it was like, it's a tough situation. You get it? So it's like, you are, if the, they think that you are okay, give them hope that everything is fine. So I can't go to them and be crying and all these things. So we kept searching for schools, and every school that we go to is like a school. I was like, I was like, school to go so it was that bad that it was affecting my small sister because I'll just be crying. My mood was so bad. Like I don't do anything, nothing that would like bring joy or anything. So that bad that I had to move me out of the house to go and stay far away from the society. Because it felt like if I change the environment, it will help me. It will help me. Well, they didn't really understand what was going on. Like nobody really, I didn't even understand what was going on myself. So I had to move to go and stay somewhere. Then, so I wasn't really just crying and anything. I was just listening to sad um, dream break, like <laughs> like like I'll be here in the morning. So that got me into addiction for movies. Like most of it's addiction, everybody just goes straight to pornography and this thing like that. Like I would wake up in the morning and I would be behind the screen. I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't drink, I wouldn't move, like literally where I would sit yeah, to find like solace or something. So it was like that for almost a semester. I think three days to vacation for the first semester of the first year is when I got to school. So my dad went to look for the school and then they were like, oh, the semester has ended, so next semester I should come. I said, hmm, yes, I won't do that. So I want to actually go to the name, the joy or the, it will like resonate on me or something. Because at that time I had moved away from my family, like moved away from my sisters and all that. So being alone somewhere with nobody to help me deal was very bad so I went to school and then that vacation was when my godmother died she was one that was taking care of me like I stayed with my parents but she had been taking very good care of me from family and all that so when she died that trauma also added on, added on. and that one too there was a lot of issues because um, she didn't die in that child death so the way this that believes that she'll come for me because like I'm literally her daughter and all this. So that also was another panic attack whole mm-hmm. situation that we don't like it was a topic that we don't mention uh-huh, in the house. So I couldn't confide in anybody 
and I couldn't talk about or say it or deal with it. So I literally don't know what to do. So I was just talking about. So it was like the belief that she would come for me because of how close we get we were. So it became something like a taboo in my house to talk about her. So they wouldn't let me do black. They wouldn't let me go for her funeral. So like, I was scared that is it I what they are saying, is it actually like something to die? Aha. Like so I remember um things that I have been my mom started seeing her around like she wanted someone to do vengeance for her, blah blah blah. So I was leaving my room and I just could hear my mom shouting and praying that you don't come for my daughter. <laughs> so like what they are saying. Like, you know, sometimes you're like, special things don't exist, yeah. but they actually does exist. So I had my mom screaming. Like, like I imagine yeah. already you're <laughs> to do your thing. So it's like, you don't talk about, you don't mention the name in the house and anything. She literally was my first, she was my first, like, it's like, and most people thought she was actually my mom. Mm-hmm. So I went to school that semester, and I think during the semester is when they were going to bury her. So everything was just you don't talk about it, you stay. So I got into self harm when I was in school. Then I used to run. So we ran. My school field is not it's it's a very big field, but it's not a professional level field with asphalt or grass or anything. So it's bubbles. That's on the field. And we run with spikes whenever we have competitions. But when we are training, you have to wear boots or shoes because of how bad the bubbles is. But I wouldn't wear shoes. I would run on the field just to say, then it's like my school mother would be panicking. Like my coach would be like, what's in here? What? Like, yeah. I felt like in the with that physical pain, I'll forget about the pain I'm going through. And then they would just become so. When I get hit, I won't do anything to it. Aha, just yeah. still running and everything. So just like that's like that. So I started feeling slow, slow by writing. Mm-hmm. So that's how the whole writing yeah. thing happened. So I had this diary book, and when you, I still have it up to date. When you look through the book, it's just years that you see, like page after page, all the pages are always or just writing and all that. So that was what was replacing the movie addiction because I was in school. So with that, I started writing movies in my head. Like, we can be here and then I'm lost, like, um, somewhere in my own world. Like, I don't know what is happening in those things. So still not talking about it, not dealing with it. And then I came to the university where I had a very serious First, before I forgot to mention this, I almost attempted suicide at school, JHSP. Yeah, I climbed, uh, I started story building. So I climbed, I was about to jump, then I heard someone calling my name. That was the my SU pastor's voice. Apparently, he was not even in the school. So I just heard him shout, and I told him that I should come to the office. So I said, my no, no, there. I was scared. So I went to his office, and he was not there. So when I got there, I was just crying, and then he came. He was like, "What is wrong with me?" And I said, "I couldn't talk." So he was like, "What is wrong? What is wrong?" I just didn't see. I was like, "Nothing. I'm fine." Huh? Because I felt like if I don't know how to explain for someone to understand, 
plant. Some of you guys maybe just doing dramatic or something in plant. So the second time I attempted, I tried to attempt to set was first year in this school. Before I came to school, I had this whole issue with my extended family that bad that they were coming for me. Like it had to do with my education and the whole thing. So I was like, they were calling me every day to give me pressure. And they brought a fight between my mom and her elder sister. And it was basically because of me. So I felt like I'm responsible for the fights in my family. So if I should end my life at that point, peace would reign for everybody in the family. So that's what I started thinking. So I will go and sit at family grounds. Like some of them have nine or something like one to cast. Like yes, so. sit my wrist and all these things. So that's when my brother, my elder brother started. He got to, he doesn't stay with it. So he got to find out what was actually going on. So he called my mom that with the way things are going, if they don't handle it well, it will be very bad. So I felt like I should come home so that's like, I should come home to be with them and all that. That's so I was like, I have school, I have exams and everything. So my brother, I get my sister started helping me talk about it. So we we're talking about it. Then I'll call them on the phone for hours and I'll be crying and I'll stop being crying. So with that, that helped a lot. But the first time, I was affecting my sister because I was not talking to her about it. So it's like she doesn't know what is going on. But she's getting affected indirectly. So I realized that talking to her when it started happening the investing with my brother and my friends was giving me some peace. And so I started writing everything, right? And I was just telling them, this girl I'm feeling. I feel like if I told my brother that, I feel like if I commit suicide, it will bring peace into the family. And he was he called my aunties like he called my class he blocked like all their numbers like I should delete their numbers. My dad called them to warn them that nobody should call me in school to talk about anything like nobody. So with that, I feel like they they coming in to protect me at that point. I felt like oh, I matter to some people in the world. So it wouldn't even though I feel like I'm ending the fight in the race in a person. A harm to the people that matters most to me. Mm-hmm. So when I started speaking to a counselor and everything, and then a couple of my friends, and even the church, I started speaking with some people. So when I come to church first, like I don't want to go, I don't want to go. But with people, I'm fine. But when I get to my room, then everything starts coming to my mind. So I had some panic attack. Even <laughs> I called my friend that I just called her and I was crying that I can't be. Like something is happening, so she can't, so she can't stay with me. So that's the point I started talking to people around me. And you see, there's a whole stigma with sharing your problems with people. And this started because of my friend that betrayed me. So I feel like if I should tell someone, they only really understand. Second, someone might go out and tell someone else. So better, I should fix it myself. First, I thought I could fix it. Until I realized that I was getting out of hand, I just began to counsel it, and then they were helping me with ways to deal with it and everything. Then I realized that I realized that I was fine in fourth year. Wow. I was fine because I had a friend I was very close to. All of a sudden, one day, the person just sent me this message that uh, they don't, they, they have some issues they want to deal with in their life, and they don't want to 
associates with CEAA. So I was like, ah, I was confused because I didn't, I'm not learning anything in CEAA. Like, me and the person are close, that if I'm going to be very important and the person calls me out for anything insignificant, I'll drop the important thing I'm doing and go to the person. That's how much I value the person. So with that text message, I was like, ah, I'm going to this one. So then that's the point I realized that I had actually dealt with my depression. Because the way me and the person were, if I hadn't dealt, spoken with the counselors and everything, at that point in time, I would have done something, like I would have done something to myself. So at that point, the person said, okay. The person was like, okay, I say, okay. I'm like, like, we move, like, okay, I'm fine. So that was fourth year, and I realized that, like, I'm just fine. Wow. I don't even know where to start. First of all, you are very strong. God will choose to bless you. <laughs> There's a whole lot in your story. Like, when I want to put my prepared questions aside, I want to ask you. In your story, you said um, you just felt like you had to be okay because you didn't want your parents to worry. So, like, in, it's like you were being a parent to them. How did that feel? That that was an extra baby. Because um generally I'm a type of person that I like to I like to fix things like uh -huh, like I like to fix I won't say fix people but I like to provide solutions to people, let me say that. So when such a person has a problem, it's like you feel like if you are fixing everybody's situation, you have a problem, fix it yourself. You see. So at that point I was like I'll be crying and I'm not uncomfortable, I just cover myself with the cloth because I don't need to see her to see me crying yeah. and then she'll start crying. But do you feel like that made it more intense? Like, do you feel like if you hadn't done that and you were able to let your mom see you crying, like, so do you think it would have shortened the journey? Do you think you keeping it, like, you trying to be a parent to your parents made it worse? Okay. I was concerned about they having a peace of mind more than me, more than being fine. Yes, that was my priority. Like the people that are around me are very important to me. It's like I place everybody else and their feelings first before myself. You get it? Yeah. So I was more concerned with the fact that they as parents are trying everything possible. Because I know my dad wake up at 3 a.m., drive all the way from Akka to Cape Coast, go from school to school, drop head mistress to headmaster looking for a place for me to go to school. Mm. It's not like he's at home and he's not doing anything. Yeah. So then I felt like it was my responsibility to protect them from the pain I'm going through. Okay. So looking back, for someone who's going through a similar thing and the person is trying to um, cover their emotions to protect the people around them, looking back with the wisdom you've gotten now, what advice would you give the person? Be selfish. Be selfish. For once, yes. This is not something that it's a joke, like I'm being crying. Mm. This is not something that it's a joke. <laughs> this is not something, this is something that is not a joke. Mm -hmm. So for that one time, if you have, even if you don't have a to talk to someone, find someone and talk to. Like, you know, tell everybody, all of you cry together and mm. like heal, because that is the best or that would be better for you than me. Yeah. Be selfish. That's what I would say. Like, if I should tell my past self, I would say be selfish. Okay. And you also spoke about inflicting, like, self-pain on yourself, right? So I want to emphasize on that because I know a lot of people, especially the youth, 
go to that as like a source of resolve yeah. in whatever it is that they are going through. To you, what made you feel like this is my solution or this can numb my pain? Like, what made you even take that first? Made you do that first cut on yourself? So I feel like the physical pain is something that I can see. I know I can handle. Like, I can, if I'm bleeding, I can see that I'm bleeding. You see, mm-hmm. but it's an emotional pain that I don't know how to grasp it. I don't know how to. It's like it's intangible. Mm-hmm. So if I'm bleeding from my hand, I can see that oh, this is where the pain is coming from. Therefore, I'll be focused more on that than the pain I'm feeling emotionally. It's like you see your brain, like you're not multitasking. Like I'm dealing with one at time. So that was what actually made the sort of self calm come in the first place. And do you, and do you think like or let's put aside right now? Do you think it's actually helped you? Like do you think it was helpful? It, it, it wasn't helpful, but it was an escape route. Maybe like that. But it numbed your pain, right? Because there's someone out there, it's like. And the thing is that, it's, how should I say? So calm is not, um, I'm looking for the right word, it's not a, a standard something, or it's not a solution. Like, it would, it would not be pain at that point, but it wouldn't numb your pain forever. Because I'm trying to say, uh-huh. So you cut maybe you cut yourself. Some people cut themselves with bleed. You cut yourself, you are bleeding. That pain, maybe in a week or two or something, it will clear. What will you do again? You cut yourself again. Mm-hmm. So it's like at that moment you think that's a solution, but it's not a long term solution. It's about it. Okay. That's that's very good. That's very insightful actually. So another thing in your story, before I go, I know I have prepared questions, but I just want to make sure that whoever is watching, whatever question the person might have, I want to ask it so that, so I mean, you spoke about your little sister, right? What she was going through was affecting her indirectly, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not like you can cancel out what you are going through together. So what advice do you have for someone out there who has people to take care of? Or who has someone who is looking up to him? You know that pressure alone can make you hurry up to resign. Yes. So what do you do? <laughs> so I think um, the first solution my friend talked about, even though it was a solution that I was happy about, because they took me for my sister. Mm. How should I say? It's like she needed it more, but I didn't. Okay. Get it. So they taking me away from her. She was not seeing what I was going through. So probably she would go to school, she would, she would be fine. You get it? Yeah. But I needed people around me. Just like, mm-hmm. there wasn't a, a solution that was 100% best yes. for everybody. Yes, yes. I was yes. 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 So initially, they thought, because I was in the neighborhood, they thought I was asking me, which school I was going to, where, when I going to school. So they thought like me leaving the society would Help a little, but the fact that I went to stay and they probably stay with they all go to work and dawn and come back in the evening, so especially the house by myself. Uh-huh. So that means you are not also getting to talk to And so it, it, it just means that what you are saying is the worst solution you can think of is to be alone, it's to be alone. That's yes. the worst yes. thing to yes. Okay, and then I also want you to advise someone out there who does not have the privilege of like leaving 
or separating themselves from their dependents or from like you can't just say oh i don't want to affect you so if i'm going to stay with you like you get me someone mm-hmm. who doesn't have that option what would be the best way to balance the effect to have on them and the effect it will have on you because it seems like to help them you, you destroy yourself and to help yourself you destroy them i feel like it's about everybody talking about it anything if we have had a public meeting maybe we are all sitting down together and maybe this is the issue on the ground everybody voice out what they are feeling what they are going through mm-hmm. and then we would all talk about it and i feel like that's it's a quick source of healing because if we know that you are not you know that you are not alone. You know that what you are feeling is is everybody's going through it. So it's like we are getting together as a family. I feel like that's the best thing you can do. And not everybody has supportive parents or family members. That's where the type of place you keep coming. Okay. If you have very correct friends that can actually help you. I feel like talking about it together as a group helps yeah. So the one I'm getting from you, basically, the basic or foundational steps to the difference, don't be alone and talk about it. Talk about it. Okay. So now I'm going to use that together. Okay. So, um, your trigger, but what would you say was your trigger for depression? Okay, my trigger was betrayal. Betrayal. First, I thought my best friend had betrayed me. Okay. Then I thought my education system had betrayed me. Okay. Then I felt like my extended family had betrayed me, so those were the triggers. So mine was basically with human interactions and betrayal. So those were my triggers. Okay. So you identified your triggers, like mm-hmm. where, but where is where, the person that betrayed you, right? The things that were happening to you three years later, four years later, it had nothing to do with the person, right? But you've been able to trace the yeah. fact that this is where that thing started from. So what would you tell someone out of going through this? Like, how can a person identify the trigger? How can a person identify the source of their season of depression? I feel like you can you can start by just taking time to actually think about everything, your life and everything. If you think deep, you definitely know where this whole thing started from. If you dig and dig and dig, no matter how long it has been, you actually know where it's all started from. Because you know how you are as an individual, you know how you are. Mm-hmm. The last thing I forgot was when I I had what should I say? I had I was sick. So I was sick, but doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong with me. So that was like, hey, the other one. Because I had gone to a lot of hospitals and nobody could tell me what exactly was wrong with me. I had done so many tests and taken so many tracks. I felt like it was me against the world, like, so when you identify the trigger, what next? Like, okay, now I know this is what's caused this record effect. What next? Like, what do I do? So, first, mine was actually trusting people again. Mm-hmm. Actually trusting people again. Mm-hmm. And also writing about it. Because okay. I realized that um, it was more of their mistake than mine. Because first, I feel like I was to be blamed. And something happened to me. It's my fault that it happened to me. You get it? Yeah. But then I realized that it's much, it says much about themselves as individuals than it says of me. So therefore, if someone has said to me, maybe it's their pain that they have projected onto me. You get it? Okay. So there is nothing wrong with me as an individual. Mm-hmm. 
So dealing with that, I began to actually give people a chance again to actually start getting close to people I don't close myself or so identifying your triggers is very important. Uh-huh. So the moment you know what exactly it is, that's how come I said the next time the person said they are like on fire. Uh-huh. So when you know what exactly triggers it, it helps you to like identify certain red flags. Let me put it that way. Uh-huh. So with that, you're able to deal with it more. But if you don't know what triggers your whole episode, so when you identify your trigger, you need to deal with yourself up against it. So if I know betrayal causes this, I have to work on how I trust. Yeah. If I know this, I have to work on the opposite of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's um let's during your the whole experience, right? What are some of apart like you make you obviously didn't like your journey of overcoming depression wasn't a smooth one, like you went through it, right? So what are some of the mistakes that you made that you would advise people to be mindful of? Like this one here, it's very likely you will try and do this. It's very likely that this will happen to you, but mind you, do it this way. Like, you know, what are some of the mistakes that you would like to advise people to be mindful of? Okay. So the first mistake is feeling like you are worthless. Like, that is what brings about the suicidal ideations and everything. Mm-hmm. So feeling like you don't matter. Mm-hmm. That's the first mistake. Uh-huh. And secondly, also not talking to anybody about it and thinking maybe you can fix it. You have everything mm-hmm. under control. And also, certain um, people who get depressed and all they want to do is watch sad movies, listen to sad shows, that that is also one mistake that mm-hmm. don't don't do. Yeah, and that is also a mistake that I was saying. So we spoke about the things we shouldn't do. What are some of the things we should do? Because we spoke about how rights and how we how yeah. to people. One thing I also want to say about the talking to people is in the Bible, it says we overcome them by the blood of the lamb by the um, testimony of the saints or by the word of mouth, right? So you talking to people, saying it out loud. Like you being able to tell someone and still feel fine, like hey, you don't feel like hey, why do I feel like something? It's a sign that you've you are overcoming it, like yeah. it doesn't really affect you. But I want to ask you, in as much as they are doing, what are the rules? Okay, so when they're talking to people, that is then if you go to therapy, that's what's good to me. The fact that you have been able to be con- uh, conscious enough to talk to someone about it is the first step of healing. And that is the important one. And I also started doing affirmations. Okay. Like I'll wake up and look at myself in the mirror. I'll be like, you are beautiful, you matter, you are loved. So those affirmations, I literally have them posted on my wall, in my books, and those things. So those repeating those things to myself and hearing them helped me. Then my mom, I don't know how she started, but she started calling me Ishira in the house. So with that also hearing her call me that all the time was also helping. And I started reading, reading books about self-development and everything. Because I felt like if I develop myself to this point, it's like, how oh, should I stay on that I'll be for the right word to use. Uh-huh. If you develop um, by investing in self-growth, it didn't come easy, but so I was reading books 
about Yoruba actually need it. To know that I'm not the only one that has struggled in my youth or in my childhood, but people have gone through stuff and then they have made it. So I realized that um, there could there could be worse situations like that could have happened. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I've gotten to the point that I've decided that I want to heal, mm-hmm. and I didn't get to that point by myself. That's also one mistake you shouldn't make. Through talking to people and all that, then I go to that point of right now, I don't want to. My sister got me to that point directly because um, it's like what happened to me, they started trying to do the same thing with my sister and her education. So it's like my family, they have problems with I don't know why. So I think her school too, she was like, they're trying to. Like, they don't need to repeat the same thing. Like, yeah. if you come for me, I'm fine. Like, me and you, but you can't come for my sister. <laughs> no, that one's here. Like, there will be blood. Like, yeah. So, it's like, the, the, is it the strength to protect her? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that it's like, nobody will take advantage of her, like what they did to me. Also, got to that point that I have to be better to set an example for her. And I want to add, what you said that really touched me was that you started reading, looking at some of the and reading stories of people about this and that. And what I want to say is that for lack of knowledge, my people perish. People will be going through things and expect that to know some magical. You need to learn, you need to equip yourself, you need to add value to yourself, you need to, you need to seek knowledge. You know what I can do to get out of it. Don't just be there and expecting some magical prayer to pull you out of it. You need to actually seek the knowledge. And with what she said about talking to people, it's great, right? But then, what kind of, because sometimes you think you're opening up to somebody and the person just ends up giving you a 360, you're going to start right back from where you started. What's the guidance into the kind of people we should talk so, to? Yeah, okay. So, um, first, if I would um, say, if you can afford it, not everybody can afford, but if you can afford, see a professional therapist. Mm. Uh-huh. If you can't afford to, there are counselors around, like some churches have counselors, some schools have counseling. If I remember the first time I wanted to speak to a counselor, I walked to the counseling place and they did not speak I walked all the way and I turned my back away. There are a lot of counseling centers around, and there are people too in our churches, in our school that they might not necessarily have a counselor's tag, but you can see that there are people of wisdom that can actually help you yeah. deal with it. So it's not your friend that you go and smoke with, they're going to confide <laughs> in, yeah, or your friends that you know that they can. You see, there are some friends that can actually bully you. That was one thing that I was really scared about talking to people. Yeah, there are some friends that will actually bully and use it against you. Use it against you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is also, so I think the better for friends are often with know the real problems. Yeah, know them, then you know that if you can open up, open up to them, then they wouldn't use it against you. Sometimes you think the way it's against you, they want to inspire time. So I was like, if I'll talk to someone, Karana, I don't want to do it over phone, I don't want to do it over text. Screenshots. Like, I don't Let's be face to face. So that there is no record of anything anywhere. Because yeah. that was the point I was learning to trust people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I think the people you talk to, if you search around here, you see that the people you talk to, go and see a girl. At least those people, yeah, which is only a whole set. And then you're ready. Anyway, so let's move on to the next question. So before we start, I said, some of us we are there, we are different, don't even know that we are different, we are we are just moving through life, right? So what are some of the symptoms of depression or some of the things that looking back you would call symptoms? Like some like if someone out there thinks she's fine, the thing is because she realized that oh, she she didn't live her life because yes, what are some of the symptoms of depression? So me, you know me personally. Me, I'm a very like happy person, smiling all the time. So when it started happening, it's like it's a complete opposite of me. Uh-huh. So it's, I would literally be crying the whole day. I would be walking about in the streets and I would be crying, like just crying. So sad. You see, we have maybe a sad for a period of time and you are fine. Like in the next year, in the next 15 minutes, you are fine. But people that are going through stuff can actually be sad the whole day, the whole week. A whole month, a whole year, and they, they, they can't actually pinpoint what exactly they're thinking. They are sad. The person can wake up in the morning and they'll be in darkness, like don't the wind turn on light, their phone is off, they just sit in the darkness and they are lost in themselves. Someone can be walking on the streets and literally be almost knocked down by a car. And the mind is not there, it's not even realized. It's like walking dead. It's like, it got to a point, I think my mom was scared to send me outside to and buy something because, like, I'm working, but I'm not working. Yeah, yeah, time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, all those things coupled with me starting to think about hurting myself mm-hmm. and everything, all those things were sent to me. Okay. Um, next question. Okay, okay, so you've spoken about this already. So what are some of the things you did to cope with good and bad? And you spoke about um, you know, the yourself in the red, you spoke about talking to people. So I think you've covered that. So um, basically looking back, what are some of the things you would have done differently? Done differently, the first thing I would say is talk to someone. Talk to someone. Yes. I feel like the predominant thing in this section is talk to people yeah. and don't be alone. No, yeah. Talk to someone. And secondly, it's not trying to fix it by myself. Uh-huh. Like if I acknowledge that something was wrong for the own set of this whole thing, I feel like it wouldn't have span to over almost six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't have span that long if at that point I noticed that I needed help. I can't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also probably Associating myself with people that make me feel like I matter the most. Because in SHS, I think the only person I was really, really working with was my school mother. She was the only person. Aside that, like I woke up at dawn, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., I left my dorm and she like, my dorm, my dorm dorm goes, she's like, I'm afraid. I'll come back late, I'll just come and sleep. And for like all these things, they had me, if I go back, I'll change that change and in the beginning you said the first thing that ever happens you just brush it aside and move i think that's like the what you should focus on your first experience don't just be like oh it's nothing yeah. like pay attention to it right and before we end i would like you to give advice to like the youth who might be going through that but before that i want you to give advice to the other half 
Even when you were going through this, like it was sort of like a stigma to even talk about oh. this. Like parents are not receptive of this topic, organizations are not receptive of this topic, churches are not receptive of this topic. Like literally all the people that are supposed to help you have placed sort of like a stigma on this topic. So what advice would you give to the other house? So there's what I would say is that it's something that is actually real, it's something that is happening. And mm-hmm. uh, because you have not experienced it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some people try to seek help from their own sense, but it's like people just brush it out and they just brush it away that you'll be fine. Yeah. You see, sometimes someone tries seeking help but especially in African African society, yes. like we don't it's like, it's like depression, suicide, it's like everybody wants to do a day shift, like yeah. receive hey, it's Africa, you really have poor hardcore. Huh. But and this thing also affects guys a lot. Mm. Because we're in society that guys are supposed to guys are supposed to be like Iron Man. <laughs> it's like they don't have feelings, like see that kind of yeah, I feel like people should open more avenues mm-hmm. and actually really listen. And especially in your friend group, you notice that maybe someone's mood has changed over a span of time. People feel like maybe the person. Some people are there that they want to actually sink. It's like they are sinking and they don't have this. I felt like that when it happened the first time, before I went to the CHS, like, I thought about like the, the ship is sinking, like water is entering. Let's just let's go for it to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like if you have friends around you that you notice that something is actually doing good, don't wait for them to yeah. come. You take the first step of stretching your hand to them. Maybe if they feel like, oh, someone cares enough to give me a helping hand, they'll pull themselves out. Mm-hmm. You get it? Yeah. I feel like more societies, more avenues, even in friend groups. Uh-huh. So I started doing this for my friends, of like talking to my friends about something like, I need to something in and then they just like, I'm fine, actually, I'm not fine, like, I've been here before. Yeah. Like, digging deeper and being concerned about, because there's something I wouldn't wish on anybody, not even my best enemy. Uh-huh. So I started doing that. So that's the reason I joined the counseling department in the first place. So I was doing, like, trying to help people out, because I know that if you are at that point and you feel like nobody's helping you, it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. And right now, like I don't even know if we really have a lot of therapy places around and all those kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But I feel like more of those things would help. Yeah. yeah. And people are afraid to also go to the counseling. People who are actually into counseling, especially in school and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like more education. Yeah. I don't think education. Yeah. Would be the best thing for everyone to be about this old and young. Yeah. Something I want to really emphasize on is if if everyone has paid attention to mm-hmm. their close name, you will realize that her six year journey has not been a waste because she started writing as an outlet, right? And yeah. now you have she power blog, you yeah. have all these great things out of 
something that was best to him. Yeah. And then a fear a fear joined the council department in an attempt to help people who have been where she was before. So what I'm trying to say is that purpose was best from your pain. Yeah. So your journey has not been a waste. So anyone who is going through anything out there. Look for the purpose in that pain because yeah. God, like, it will definitely just not be in vain. Like, you just went through his path. Like, I mean, you are precious. It will soon be like that. But, yeah. So, the last thing I, before we go, the last, last thing, I just want you to give your final words advice to someone out there. Let's say a fear, a fear five years ago, or what you mentioned of the fear, like, just shoots, like, final um, words of advice. So, what I would say would be the fact that. Uh, Whatever you are feeling as an individual is not insignificant. Whatever you are going through, it matters. You are important to the society and all that. Because I was like, ah, right now, all the things I'm doing, so if I had killed myself, like, what would have happened to all this? And all the people that are benefiting. Yeah, what would have happened to all those things? So know that you you are worth something. If at that point you're not even feeling, you're not seeing anything, know that your future soul will be proud of you for how strong you are. I don't think people this, but I I like most of my sisters that yo, you are strong. Like I I post that most of it whenever I post the picture again on that. So uh So for whoever it says that is listening to me, that is whether you were a guy or you were a girl, don't let people's ignorance of this thing. Don't let people's stigma push you to a corner where you end your life. Uh-huh. When you you are able to push through with the help of people and it gets to a place of success, your story will also inspire someone. So don't be genetic this responsibility of people. <laughs> don't yes. be the reason why someone will end their life in the next five years. Yes. Yes. Be the reason why someone will live in the next five yes. years. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you very much for joining us. So inspiring. God should bless you. And I hope everyone has gotten something from this part of our session. Yeah. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.